Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is October 22nd, 2022. How are you? Hopefully you've had a good week, having a good time. Hopefully this episode finds you well. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty all right, I must say. Uh, Let's see. Um, You know what? Gonna spice things up. Do a little drug corner. <laughs> um, I have been very pleased. Uh, I got a little bit of um, what you would call concentrate, weed concentrate, or dabs uh, as the slang. I don't know, whatever. Um, so I got a couple grams of that, and that was pretty fucking cool. Um, we uh, pre-gamed that before the episode. Gotta let you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see, other than that, we can talk about some food. Honestly, not too deep on the food this week. I haven't really gotten too crazy. I will say I treated myself today. Um, after my little short Saturday shift, I uh, went to Penn Station and I got not one, but two small subs. I got uh, East Coast Philly cheesesteak and then I also got the Italian, which I'm going to confess, I had a bit of a head-ass moment, and when I ordered it, I thought I was getting, like, an Italian sausage sandwich. I They used to have those back in the day. I don't know if you just have to ask for it or something like that, or they just took it off the menu, probably the latter, but I got an Italian. I was like, oh, wait, what is this? And then, like, she reiterated the order to me, and I was like, oh, yeah, duh, I'm dumb. There's, like, an Italian sandwich. That's why she, they, that's why she had asked me if it was hot, cold, or whatever. I was like, I want a hot, so a little dumb there, but it was good. Got that with a large lemonade and a medium fry, so well, not a good order. Um, let's see. Other than that, that's pretty much all I got for myself. Uh, we can go ahead and get into the thick of it. Let's see where we want to start. Uh, we'll start off with some Ukraine news, Ukraine-Russia news. Got this from Yahoo News, also Reuters. U.S. says... Iranians in Crimea helping Russia use drones against Ukraine. So this is a story came out, um, let's say the article says Thursday as of what, October 19th. Um, but essentially it believed that Iranian military staff had been deployed in Crimea to provide assistance to Russian forces using Iranian-made drones to attack Ukraine as the West slapped sanctions on Tehran in response. So I was hearing, you know, a couple of news things about this, like talking about, like, kamikaze drones. Uh, Essentially, they're called that because these are drones that uh, more or less have, like, missile-like capability, and essentially they're used as such. So they are patrolled, and then they just come down and they explode. And... They've been using these, you know, all across Ukraine as, like, kind of a response to the pushes that Ukraine has been doing. And they've been hitting all kinds of spots. I know a really big thing that's been hit is the energy sector in Ukraine, like power plants and things of that nature. It's um, in an attempt to, like, disrupt, dismantle 
the situation that they have for energy going into winter, which, you know, it's kind of what we've been talking about the past, like, couple weeks. A lot of this is kind of being planned. So it's like, look, we know that once we get to the winter, this is going to get even tougher. You know, Ukrainian, Russian winters are very harsh. They're very, you know, hardcore situations. And especially if you have to worry about yourself as a soldier, if you have to worry about your family at home, going through this kind of situation, that that's only adding to your woes. It's adding to lack of morale. So... You know, play like this is definitely a really bold thing. Um, obviously, too, Iran being included in this conversation is definitely uh, a development. Not that they, they haven't been, you know, they're, you know, kind of more or less allies in, you know, ways with Russia, I think. Uh, we haven't really covered it too much on the podcast, but this is just one of their ways where they're kind of coming to the forefront of the conversation. But also, you know, we've been talking a lot about Iran with the protests going on there, so... Just a lot of what you could say is just action and overlap going on. Um, let's see, what else did I want to pull from this article that I want to talk about? Um, they've been setting up like brownouts or blackouts kind of in response to all this, uh, which is definitely like a situation that really you can read about that, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I can tell, like, it's not something that I can really say like, Oh, I completely get that. The only, only way you really can is you've gone through like a power outage and things like that. Like, yeah, that sucks. Like, especially let's say, excuse me, said power outage, you just got like a whole week's worth or whole even months worth of your certain families of groceries. And now all those groceries are going to rot. How are you going to get through this week, this month now? Like that's a whole extra thing to your budget. Not to mention, you know, you don't know when it's going to come on. Um, so these blackouts are like multiplied versions of that because they're happening on like a regulated schedule and they can potentially get worse. So, you know, whenever I hear about a, a country having to deal with that and go through that, it's just, you know, really sad. It's really just, you know, concerning and scary. Um, I know in different ways because we're doing it for like what climate control. I know they, what is it? California, I believe is doing like energy reduction times of the day where you're like not supposed to use like um ac and stuff like that so you know i mean who knows i mean in in some ways with climate change it might become more of a norm for some areas but definitely in a a war situation like this it's really scary really you know um let's see some other stuff putin inspected a training ground for mobilized troops and was shown firing shots from a sniper rifle and footage apparently intended to show his personal backing for soldiers heading to the fight ukraine uh, yeah, it was a little video. He came through. He like had like this black, big black jacket. Um, he's like all blacked out, looked nice. But he like got on the ground, like shot the sniper. Um, he did the um, weapons inspections and stuff, at, and like asked a, a new recruit, like, "Oh, do you feel like you know you got like everything you need?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, I do." Um, and then he did the thing, which uh, a little bit of foreshadowing in this episode. But Kevin Spacey does it or did it. And um, Netflix's House of Cards, where he bangs on the table with his hand. And it's like, I remember that scene and that thought process or whatever was like very, like when I was like in what, my mid-20s or whatever the fuck watching this shit, I was just like, yeah, like, okay, vibes, I guess that's like a, yeah, it's really commanding. But then thinking about it, it's like, it's so silly to do this. Like, why are you making a commotion, like pounding your fist against the table? Like, what does this do? It doesn't do anything. Um, but yeah, so he did that, did a little, uh, show and show him, I don't know what way to rhyme this, but, um, 
Let's see. They also talk about um, another appointment in like the military staff. Like, let's see, Sergei Sorovikin, uh, who has been nicknamed General Armageddon. I guess like for some of his like work actions he's done atrocities you could say for sure in like syria or whatever so he's kind of like now the commander of the uh quote-unquote special uh, military operation which i really don't get why they're so beholden to that at this point like we've been doing this shit for so goddamn long you've done the the troop thing you know like the mobilization thing like like come on like let's just just call it what it is right like it's just silly but you know, here we are. I guess they gotta hold on to that. Um, let's see. I think that, yeah, that's more or less what I had for this article. Got one more thing, though, on the, uh, Russia-Ukraine front. I got this also from Reuters. Putin demands all Russia war effort as he declares martial law in occupied Ukraine. So, like, the four, you know, big territories that were claimed in the whole, quote-unquote, referendum, whatever, you know, the new territories, quote-unquote, to Russia, more or less have now been, you know, put under martial law. Essentially, this is kind of a, just a general way of Putin and the Kremlin to exert more control, more force in the area and do more. Also, it add special little stipulations where like hey you guys have to like help the military effort you guys have to help supply it all these kind of things so now these ukraine areas are literally going to have to give up their own things and just more or less submit to being ransacked and um that's just the way it is you know under this kind of martial law situation no kind of like boiling it down a bit here but that's how i kind of interpret it um Let's see, and it's also, like, kind of different variations of intensity, like, based on its location, like, to the border, like, of the conflict for them. So some areas are a little bit heavier, some are a little bit lighter, but just essentially more power is being given to, like, the Russian, you know, governorship and stuff like that. I've heard also some, like, you know, sad stories and, and whatnot, um, like, listening to BBC of, like, a priest who was captured, like, tortured, um and essentially more or less for like saying like you're harboring abating like sheltering uh people who are like resisting and that's not cool that's not okay and they tortured this man held him and he was eventually released and you know kind of changed his tune a bit in terms of like he was a little bit more on the line but then like within weeks or months or so like because I know this situation obviously happened in terms of the referendum, but they've been there for a while now. But essentially, like, he's like, okay, I he left and was like, yeah, that was really messed up. They did some really terrible stuff to me. So, I mean, it's just a sad situation, you know. You're living in a situation where you're you're occupied by a whole other fucking country, you know, and you have to just worry every day what's going to happen next. Uh, so... Yeah, we took a break from it, but I wanted to, you know, definitely get back into it. I know it's been marching on, grinding on. Um, I'm sure there's more stories that I'm missing, but, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of chunks. Let's see here. Let me actually grab a drink. Oh, yeah. The beer today is um, Natural Ice. Natty Ice. <laughs> 
Let's see. Got this from Yahoo News, also HuffPost. Steve Bannon sentenced to four months for contempt of Congress. So, in a way, this is a we got him voice, but um, I don't know. It's a very light, <laughs> light work, and potentially he might not have to um, serve. Like right now, his, his, this whole thing's under an appeal, and he's on the street right now until that gets resolved. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I guess that's how this works. But let's see. Formal Donald Trump advisor Steve Bannon was sentenced to four months and fined $6,500 on Friday after previously being found guilty of acting in contempt of Congress in a legal saga more than a year ago. So the prosecutors initially had been shooting for six months and a fine of $200,000. But uh, he dodged that by a couple months and a lot of money. Uh, let's see. And the thing that's kind of interesting here, there was uh, the U.S. District Judge Carl Nicholas, who was a Trump appointee, um, you know, over this whole case, um, essentially said, like, look, dude, like, you're in the wrong here. Um, let's see. He noted Bannon's lack of remorse before handing down his ruling, according to... Uh, Tory, uh, according to reports from the scene, um, Nicholas reportedly told the court that others must be deterred from similarly flouting congressional authority. Um, he then proceeds, you know, to walk out. He doesn't say anything for real. And he um, decries the uh, illegitimate regime of President Joe Biden. So, like, that's the weird, like, duality here. It's like, wait, dude, like, the person who is handing out this justice um isn't a part of joe biden's regime it's it's a court appointed it like a trump appointed guy like i i don't <laughs> it's very frustrating to like hear these people just go and blame the administration that they don't like for all their problems despite when you actually give them everything they want keys to the kingdom it's just never enough um shit just, just smells weird feels weird to me um, let's see, he does add, though, their judgment day is on eight, the 8th of November uh, when the Biden administration ends. Uh, essentially, he's referring to the midterms, which, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, obviously all of that's true, but right now it's definitely not looking too great in terms of polling. Um, it's looking pretty bad in terms of the House, looking in terms of, like, favoring the, um, you know, conservatives, Republicans taking control there which would disassemble the January 6th situation, like that most likely would just get wrapped up and potentially would work in Bannon's favor, um, and, you know, in terms of an appeal. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's see. He is supposed to, though, be serving, you know, if the appeal is thrown out, uh, he's supposed to come in and serve the sentence November 15th. So, you know, we'll see shortly how that's going to go. Um, but yeah, um, this always leaves a weird taste in my mouth. Oh, yeah, also in the Senate, it's a little bit closer of a situation where we don't know. It's going to definitely come down to, you know, how the votes shake out, of course. But it's it's a tight race all along the whole field. So I guess from a, you know, Democratic liberal perspective, that's the best you can ask. That's the best you can hope for, um, considering, you know, usually the trend is who's ever in office usually gets their shit bucked in the midterms and then it kind of goes back and forth in that regard um but we'll see we'll see how much of a quote-unquote referendum this might be 
Um, also, some like kind of loose bits, kind of wanted to tie to this article. Uh, let's see. Trump has been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. So he could be in similar waters to Bannon if he decides to not show up, not deal with the committee at all, and just shirk them. It could shake out differently, though, for him if he is, you know, put on trial for contempt or whatever the fuck. So, you know, we'll keep you posted on all of that. Um, oh, yeah, let's see. Also, this kind of offhand, I'm kind of shoving this in here with, like, no links, no source. But um, the Biden administration has kind of... Uh, a little bit of this is like old news a little bit like a week ago but the biden administration's kind of thrown a little bit of a timber tantrum with uh saudi arabia over the whole opec situation uh they were obviously a part of that being you know a mass distributor of oil um and then leading the conversation you know saying you know hey like we're doing this to make sure we make our profits gotta 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 um biden has potentially i think he's leaning to do more reserves like, open up more of our own oil reserves, which some people are saying, like, well, that's a risky thing to do. We shouldn't do that. Uh, but he is doing that, you know, in some might say also a political way because it's right before the midterms to kind of, like, say, hey, I am doing what I can for you guys on that so you don't actually feel the pain of the pump as bad. Because I'm sure you noticed gas has been going up. Kind of a little a little bit un- upsetting, but it is what it is, right? What are you going to do? Um, but, yeah, I thought it was weird because we literally, and I, I wanted to mention this because I, I just kind of was just had a whiff of the Biden talk and I wanted to like get this in here. But it was just weird that, you know, we've talked about how Biden went, you know, to the kingdom and, you know, he's fist bumping, um, you know, MBS. He's, you know, talking to the king, all this shit. And then he doesn't get what he wants. And it's all of a sudden, oh, we need to rethink our uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia. It's like, huh? Like, and and then how? How are you going to do that? And, you know, people are talking about, like, oh, we're going to change up our arms deal relationship with them. And maybe we're going to work with, um, you know, just give more guns to Ukraine or something like that. Like, I've heard, uh, you know, just that across both right and left sides. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. It just seems weird. It also seems like a good luck with that. But, um, yeah, there you go. That's a little bit of bonus extra for you. I just wanted to throw that in there on the fly. Um, let's see. Next bump. Got this from Yahoo News slash the Associated Press. Uh, let's see. Jury. Kevin Spacey didn't molest actor Anthony Rapp in 1986. Now, this is a verdict that I was kind of surprised to hear. I didn't cover this, like, edge-to-edge or anything like that. But um, on Thursday, a jury sided with Kevin Spacey in one of the lawsuits that derailed the film star's career, finding he did not sexually abuse Anthony Rapp, who was then 14. I believe uh, Spacey would have been 26 at that point. Um, While both were relatively unknown actors in Broadway plays in 1986. So... Essentially, you know, the story, according to Rap, was they were at his uh, apartment. It goes into the details and it's fought about by both sides about, like, what this apartment was. He says it was one bedroom. Spacey says it was, uh, no, it was a studio apartment, actually. They didn't have a, a lot of company over, even for a housewarming. But he says he was invited over and um, Kevin Spacey, like, made a move at him in his bedroom like, more or less trying to, like, you know, get on top of him or whatever. And Anthony Rapp, you know, squirmed out of it and got away. But, you know, it was really traumatic, very 
you know, jarring situation for him. And uh, he had kept quiet. And then I think more accusations came out. I'm not sure if he was the first, but um, it's it's crazy that it, it kind of shook out this way. Now, granted, I mean, this was for, this is a civil lawsuit for $40 million in damages. But um, I don't know, just seeing the track record, um, like there was stuff that I didn't, I didn't even know about. Apparently um, he uh, had lost a lawsuit or had to pay, and this is Spacey, had to pay $30.9 million to the makers of House of Cards for violating his contract by sexually harassing crew members. Um, let's see. I think there's some more in here that they list. But they do go into, like, you know, how parts of the trial went. Um, Spacey's lawyer, you know, more or less is saying, like, Rap is, was jealous of Kevin Spacey's fame and becoming, like, a megastar. And, um, you know, he latched onto a situation to kind of, like, get his own attention. Um, now, Rap is, was on, like, the, I think the original Broadway for Rent. He's also in, like, the Discovery Star Trek Something like that. So, I mean, it's not like he's hurting, but essentially, like, the argument is, like, he was just clout chasing. And he's doing this for attention. Um, Also, Spacey, let's see, um, said in an initial statement, and this is in 2017, he says, I owe him the sincerest, sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate drunken behavior. Essentially, let's see, um, he was saying, like, maybe it did happen. He's like, I don't think so. But, like, if if it did, I was, like, really drunk. But then he comes out and says, oh, I was being pressured by people because of the whole Me Too movement. And that's why I said that. And I would never do that again. Um, like, never, like, you know, say something that isn't true. Apologize for something that didn't happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, also, during the trial, he, like, told the jury... A sob story about how his father was a white supremacist and a neo-Nazi who berated him as gay because he liked the theater. Um, I don't know, man. To me, this is, you know, obviously my two cents on it, how I feel. I do feel like he was guilty. I do feel like he got away with this. I mean, that's just my personal opinion, podcasting guy. But, um, you know, hey, I, sometimes I guess you just get to slither on through. Um, it's a shame, you know, that someone like, you know, Anthony Rapp doesn't get justice in the situation. Um, I don't know. I, I sadly, I wish I had more to add. Uh, I, I guess for me, it does. It just sucks to hear this guy in action too. Um, you know, personally, I'm definitely uh, you know a guy who who's seen it. I'm not saying I've watched like Kevin Space and Kevin Spacey faithfully, but I do like a good amount of his movies. Um, you know, I, I I would buy the hype on terms of saying he's like a good actor or was a good actor. Um, but to just hear that he's out here doing all that, he did all this shit, was this slimy, up until even, like, recent years, like, it's not like this is new, I remember he even came out as gay as a defense for all this shit, he's like, I don't know, I don't even want to try to, like, quote him or source him here, but it's just, it's wild to me how he's just kind of meandered through this whole situation, but, um, I don't know, this has definitely been, like, a big week in terms of these kind of cases, I'm giving you this one. I kind of had to, like, pick and choose. I might try to get to them later. Not sure, but um, let's see. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, he's back on trial for some shit. Um, like, another, you know, sexual 
rape allegation that he's you know on the block for uh and then a big one danny masterson from that 70s show is on trial that trial is going on um a lot of talk about him a lot of talk about scientology uh the shit he was doing crazy shit um so i mean i don't know like i said i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to get to that or if that's gonna be on the menu per se i might just like wait for verdicts to drop and then kind of do a little summary i'm not sure but um yeah I, I, this was the one i picked it kind of like resolved first or just was like i'm gonna i'm just gonna take it this is what i wanted so um i got one more to go before i let you go um so you know what that means it's break time Ooh, 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 <clears throat> and we're back, um, this last one I got from the insider, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> um, and honestly, guys, I'm not the only one up in smoke, okay, all right, um, UK PM Prime Minister, Liz Truss resigns after just six weeks rejected by financial markets and her own party. So, I mean, like I said, if you guys have been following the newsies know, I've, you know, I've done a little bit of, of talking about Liz Truss. I've gone a little bit deeper on it. Um, UK, man, like y'all government, the way y'all move, so aggressive so that's been like the, one of the more interesting things for me doing this podcast and learning that, like actually following it. I, I was so surprised. Um, this is, I think, going to be their fifth now, if I'm not mistaken, now after Liz Truss. But I mean, essentially, um, she had come in on a plan of economic growth. She was going to do a lot of tax cuts. She was going to be like the UK equivalent of uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, like it was supposed to be like this libertarian style of governing that was really going to like appeal, um, to the masses, but more importantly to the, the rich people who like actually put her in power the way that, um, the parliament works in the situation, you know, the Tories who are in power, they pick the new person. So like, you know, Boris Johnson resigned, whatever they were going to pick, you know, to a vote and essentially Liz Truss told them what they wanted to hear and you know Richie Sunak um the person who was the the runner-up was more or less trying to say look I would love to paint you that picture but the reality is we do have to deal with this situation we do have to deal with inflation properly we are going to have to go through some hard time but we will be able to get through that and then when we get through that we can talk about that kind of stuff um people weren't hearing that so the people voted and honestly they voted for the whitest candidate possible let's just be honest here um Hey, that's just politics as usual, I guess, in a lot of places, especially these world powers. You feel me? Just had to say that. Um, but they got what they wanted because the plan was garbage. Literally, like the the initial person um, on her staff, like person, like I kind of want to say it was like a right hand man, just like a really close person in the party with her. They came up together. Um, essentially, they were supposed to come up with this plan. He rolls out the plan. Everyone's like, I mean, it sounds good as hell. It sounds like you guys are really painting us a really great picture. 
But then the financial market was like, that's not going to work. You are not factoring in how inflation works at all in this plan. And that's going to be so bad for the world abroad for a, a place like UK to try this. And it's going to be bad. Don't do it. And, um, you know, Liz Trust tried to, to try to hold frame and try to say, no, this is what we're going to do. You guys don't see it, but we're, it's going to work. But like immediately the market responded, the, you know, the pound took a dive and, you know, naturally that means everyone's immediately hurting on the streets. And I think once that happened, I guess that was it. Like, which is crazy to me because so much shit happens in a U.S. president's time, but no matter what, they will have their four years or then potentially another four years after that. There's no wait, dude, this is it, bro. You got to go for this alone. So having that kind of power to be able to just be like, if this shit is getting so crazy, so out of hand, we will cut you off. And just to make sure that our party is still like a favorable party that's doing what needs to be done, that is making us look the best we can. I mean, that's why they've had so many changes in such a short time. Um, But also there was an update from the Patreon episode Apparently there was a, like a meeting kind of party thing and there was a vote. I think it was like energy related, but essentially the situation got so heated that like, and I've said this before, like it's kind of crazy the frenetic energy that can happen in parliament as they're breaking down this stuff, having these conversations, people are yelling, screaming, like just popping off. It's just like the rowdiest thing, but they were saying that people were literally getting bullied, like practically dragged in and out of rooms and stuff so i mean that level of of governing sounds really hostile really crazy and i think after that everyone looked to this like trust to be like yo this is out of hand you are not the one for the helm you gotta go like this is isn't this isn't something we can fix we can't fix you <laughs> um which like i said once again it's crazy to me um also even crazier still now that this you know resignation has happened she's still going to be in power until a new prime minister is voted in um this process is going to be considerably faster this time is what i've been told like the dust should be settled by next week uh like by the end of next week maybe even like sooner but um right now the two biggest front runners are rishi sunak again people are coming back to him because yet again you know, Jeremy Hunt, or, you know, the person that got appointed after Liz Trucks axed a guy, the, the guy who was, like, a right-hand man delivering the policy. Um, also, another person resigned, too. I do not remember her name. She wasn't in this article. But, um, essentially, it's not 100% sure why they said emails, but essentially, I think she was beefing with Liz Truss over what she was doing. It was like, this isn't going to work. Get it, get it, get it. And they were going at it. So, she resigned. Um, but Jeremy Hunt, the replacement was more or less saying, hey, like, we are going to go at a U-turn. None of what was said before is going to work, and we just can't do it. And it led everyone to feel like, well, then, Liz, what are you doing here? You know? So, yet again, it's just that conversation of, like, yo, what the fuck? Like, you're kind of useless. But essentially, yeah. So, Richie Sunak's, like, kind of the big pick. But the number two pick that people are talking about is old Bojo. Boris Johnson might make his return a lot sooner than some people even expected. That was something that I'd heard on the wire, and I was like, okay, like, I, I guess I could see this. Obviously, I kind of pictured it happening over, like, a year's time, not a 44 fucking days, 
But I mean, hey, uh, he had to cut his vacation a little short, but he's back in town and uh, potentially ready to take the call. Um, there's another person too, but it's so sad because like every time this person gets mentioned, it's like Penny something. I'm sorry. I know I'm bad. I'm the worst. But um, she's like a third pick, but they literally just like mention her like a wrapping paper. It's, <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, hey, it'd be a cool episode, huh? Um, but yeah, it's potentially kind of a two person race. Uh, between like Sunak and Johnson, uh, we'll see because that that would be very interesting to me to see how that uh, kind of shakes out. Um, but that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for sticking around, listening to little old me talk my silly little news. Um, you're the best. I love ya. Um, if you would like to be a newsie, get that premium extra content. Uh, you know all the bonus episodes that I'm trying to you know generate right now. Um, you know, you also get Discord access. You also get a shout-out on the pod I do, like, once a month. A little newsy roll call, if you will. Um, so, yeah, you can get in there. It's, like, $5, you know. You get on that tier. You get the access. Um, let's see. What else is there? I got a Gmail. IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. That's, like, the free way to try to contact me. Uh, also, I'm on social media. You can find me. You can find my podcast on there. I'm generally, like, on Facebook, Twitter. I'm not hard to find um so yeah thank you so much if you've made it all the way to the end and even if you're just a clicker uh you know i love you thank you for i guess making it this far that's pretty crazy pretty wild of a you and i huh <laughs> but um hopefully i see you soon for some more good news i love you bye-bye Mwah.